Acts 28, beginning at verse 1. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Rhegium, and a day later, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Putoli. There we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. Now, Father, thank you for your presence. Open our hearts now that we may hear what the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will make up for all of my inadequacies so that we may hear and respond to what you have for us today. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I especially pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. And I ask you to draw them back to your side to a place of repentance. Don't let one of them be lost. I pray all of these things in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Anyone who has ever come through a trying time knows the feeling of sheer exhaustion combined with the almost uncontrollable urge to escape and recuperate with some much-needed rest and relaxation. Once the storm is over and we've managed to survive, the only thing we want to do is shut down for a while. No matter whether the storm is physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual, just because you get past the brunt of the storm doesn't mean 
everything is now going to be peaceful. Sometimes the storm's fury may have been survived, but there remains the aftermath of the storm, the cleanup, and that presents its own set of problems and challenges. Well, this is the place we find the Apostle Paul in the last chapter of the book of Acts. Last week, we saw the terrible storm Paul and his shipmates encountered as they were making their way to Rome. In that message, we learned some principles for surviving the storms that blow into our lives on a regular basis. Now today, we find Paul has survived the storm, but he's still in the midst of great adversity and there's still a work to be done and a ministry to perform. From this story, I want to show you three things that need to be present if we are going to be a relevant church in a modern world. Regardless of the spiritual opposition, regardless of the weariness of the journey, regardless of the length of the battle or the unexpected hindrances that may come our way, there are three things that are vital if we are to be the people and the church the Lord has called us to be in this world. First, if we are to be a relevant church in a modern world, there must be a demonstration of spiritual power. Some of you will remember from the message last week that even though the lives of Paul and his companions were spared, the ship was lost and they were shipwrecked on an island. When chapter 28 opens, the ship's company has been marooned on the island of Malta. Malta is a small sliver of land, 18 miles long, eight miles wide, in between Sicily and the northern African coast. When the Bible talks here about the natives of the island, the word there is barbaroi, from which we get our word barbarian. This is the word that is used in the Bible, to, and not just in the Bible, but in that time, to describe any non-Greek-speaking people. Any non-Greek-speaking culture was called barbarians, barbaro. The writer here makes a point of saying the natives, these barbarians, were extraordinarily kind to them. Now, that's important to the writer because the fate of the shipwrecked seafarers on some barbarian island was an uncertain prospect. You could be killed by the natives or taken as slaves by the island tribe. Instead, these 276 men were welcomed kindly and the island inhabitants immediately built a bonfire by which the drenched survivors could warm themselves. Now, when you've come through a storm and there's still no end in sight to the adversity, the great tendency we have is to just shut down. We want to escape. To rest. We want to curl up in a corner and hope the world will go away. No doubt Paul had many of the same feelings, but instead of him lying down on the beach and giving up, we find him being productive. He's just as waterlogged as the rest of them. He's still a prisoner. The storm didn't change that. He's still frustrated at being unjustly accused. And if I'm Paul, I'm exhausted from battling the storm and swimming ashore. I'm hungry from not eating anything but a sandwich in the last two weeks. I'm mentally and emotionally drained from the ordeal of being a prisoner, falsely accused, and uncertain of the fate that awaits when I make my appeal before Caesar. I'm cold and wet and miserable. All I want to do is find a place to lie down. Instead, when these natives build a fire on the beach to get them warm, Paul, along with some of the other survivors, jumps in and starts gathering sticks to add fuel to the fire. 
You know, it would have been easy for Paul to focus on his own needs. It would have been easy for him to refuse to help others because of the adverse circumstances in which he found himself. Instead, we find him functioning regardless of how he felt. Now, I I point that out because that's a tremendous lesson for us today. I know you're depressed, but get out of bed and wash the dishes. I know you're unhappy, but go out and find somebody to serve. I know you're sad, but go get a card and send it to someone to cheer them up. I know you're grieving, but wash your face, put on some clean clothes, and take a bouquet of flowers to provide comfort to someone in their time of loss. Y'all doing okay with that? I mean, I'm just, just checking here, you know. I, I, I know you don't feel like praying, but pray. I know you don't feel like praising, but lift your hands and lift your voice and praise. I know you don't feel like serving, but serve. I know, I know you don't feel like caring for your family, but care for your family. I know you don't feel like going to work, but get up and go to work. I know you don't feel like functioning, but function whether you feel like it or not. I didn't charge extra for that. That's just... When Paul laid his sticks on the fire, a poisonous viper hidden in the sticks was driven out by the heat. He not only bit Paul on the hand, but the Bible says he fastened himself there and didn't let go. Paul rather nonchalantly just shook the viper off into the fire and continued to go about his business. Now, the normal course of events would have been for Paul to swell within just a few minutes of being bitten. As the venom entered his bloodstream, he would scream, fall down, foam at the mouth, convulse, and then he would die. The natives witnessed this event and were just waiting for this outcome. In fact, when the viper bit and clung to Paul, they concluded he was a terrible murderer who had managed to escape the wrath of the sea, but justice was served on him to make certain he didn't avoid the penalty of his crimes. Isn't it amazing what people will conclude? Well, a good deal of time passes and there's no screaming, no foaming at the mouth, no convulsing, no fever, no swelling. There are no adverse effects from the bite. So the people change their minds and conclude that instead of a hated, hardened criminal, Paul is a god. Now that's what you call a promotion. From gangster to god in 45 minutes. Here's what I know. When God can find a man or a woman who will continue functioning in faith even when they don't feel like it, even when the odds are stacked against them, even when the opinion of the crowd is hostile, he will suspend the rules of what should have happened to protect his children from harm, to demonstrate his miracle power to an unbelieving world, and to testify to his goodness to those who put their trust in him. See, I'm talking to you today about a God suspending the rules to to demonstrate spiritual power at work in your life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God suspending the rules. That cancer should have killed you. It was suspended. That drug overdose should have wiped you out, but God suspended it. Statistics say you should have committed suicide by now but God suspended it. The psychiatrist said, you should have lost your mind, 
but God suspended it. The car wreck should have taken your life, but God suspended it. I just wonder if I'm talking to anybody who has seen the hand of God interrupt an obvious attack on your life. That, that decision was supposed to be a disaster. That mission was supposed to be a mess. Your career was supposed to be over. That crisis, calamity, and catastrophe was supposed to take you out. You're in a strange place, but God will suspend the rules. But li- 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 listen, listen, listen. Sometimes what looks like a detour is in reality your destiny. When Paul set out for Rome, the island of Malta wasn't even on his radar screen. Now that he's landed on this island, it's raining and it's cold, and Paul could have easily spent his time complaining about how life has conspired against him. Instead, he's busy keeping the fire going. He understood something very important. No matter what it looks like to you, God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is sovereign. If you'll just look around you, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstance, God will use you to accomplish his divine purpose. See, I want to tell you, there are times when you're going to find yourself in the pouring rain and cold. Times when you don't feel like rejoicing. Times when you don't feel like saying amen. Times when you don't feel like visiting the sick. Times when you don't feel like praying for others. It's in those times God calls you to keep the fire going. The snake bites Paul and then won't let him go. I've seen trouble like that. Haven't you? It just holds on and digs in and won't turn loose. Discouragement will bite you and won't let let go. Depression will bite you and won't let go. Hard times will bite you and won't let go. When the enemy attacks and holds on to you, that's when you have to hold on to your faith. You keep functioning in faith. See, when faith says it, God hears it. When faith asks for it, God grants it. When faith needs it, God supplies it. When faith believes it, God delivers. When faith expects it, God is able to do it. What philosophy can't do, faith in God can do. When reasoning gets scared, faith gets courageous. When positive thinking signs out, faith in God kicks in. When the budget can't support it, faith in God underwrites it. You hang on to your faith. It, it, you know, it, it, it's interesting to me, interesting to me, when verse three says the viper came out because of the heat. See, as long as you're spiritually cold, you don't have to worry about the adversary. But the moment a fire gets lit in your soul, you just as well to get ready because that's when the snake wakes up. (laughs) Ah, But here's what I know. The snake might bite you, but it won't kill you. Hear me. The principality can't overrule God's sovereignty. Wickedness can't overrule God's righteousness. Satan's schemes can't overrule God's plans. 
Paul was expected to die. The crowd around him expected to see him die. The poison was in him to die. But Paul is still standing. This is the testimony of those who continue to hold on to faith and function in the midst of adversity. Yeah, cancer showed up, but I'm still here. I went through a divorce, but I'm still here. I lost my job, but I'm still here. Went to jail, but I'm still here. I've been through hell, but I'm still here. I may have snakes hanging on me, and these snakes may not want to let me go, but you are sitting there waiting on me to fail, but God has me. I don't, I don't function by feeling, I function by faith. I don't function by feeling. I function by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't function by feeling. I function by the truth of God's word. I function by Joshua 1 and 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I function by Psalm 138 and 3. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. I function by Psalm 18, verses 2 and 3. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. I don't know about you, but I function by Deuteronomy 33 and 27. The eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. I function by 1 John 4 and 4. Greater, greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. I function by 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I function by Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor princes nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, praise be to God forever. Come on, somebody praise him if you believe that right now. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. This is the demonstration of, pure, of spiritual power that will cause us to continue to be a relevant church in a modern world. Not only are we protected from spiritual harm, but then we demonstrate this spiritual power through compassion for the hurting. Do you remember what we read? The leading man of the island was named Publius. Three days after this incident with the snake, Paul was made aware the father of Publius had a severe physical affliction. So Paul went to his sickbed, he prayed, and then laid hands on him and healed him. Watch this. The same hand that had been snake bit was the hand God used to bring healing. The same hand that was bruised healed somebody else. 
The same hand that was wounded brought relief to somebody else. The same hand that was injured ministered to somebody else. I'm telling you, when you get fired up for God, the snakes may come out of the woodwork. You may get bit, but you just shake them off and you keep going. And then the very hands that have been wounded will be the means of providing healing and help to those around you who are hurting. Now, that's a good word for somebody right now. Relevant church in a modern world is going to be marked by a demonstration of spiritual power. Second, it's going to be marked by a devotion to gospel proclamation. After three months on Malta, the castaways were able to book passage on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island and a little over a week later finally arrived in Rome. Some 10 years earlier, Paul had written his letter to the church at Rome. And when some of those believers heard about Paul's arrival, they came to meet him. Three days later, when he had gotten settled in, Paul called together the leading men of the Jews. He told them about the events that had transpired to bring him to Rome and explained the reason for his incarceration. Paul established a relationship with them, and they requested to be able to return and hear more about his views. A few days later, a large number of people came to him, and verse 23 says, Paul was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. And you thought I preached long. (laughs) Just saying. The most important thing on Paul's mind was not the hardships he had faced, nor his impending trial before Caesar. The focus of his life was the proclamation of the gospel message. And I want to tell you, that must be the most important message for us if we are to be a relevant church in a modern world. At the end of the day, we have only one message of any value. It's the message of Jesus. Regardless of the pressure of this age, we must never back away from the message of the gospel of Jesus. You know, we live in a world that accuses us of being narrow-minded. We live in a world that wants to cancel our voice when we are out of step with the crowd. We live in a world that wants to silence our witness. In spite of that opposition, we must remain true to the truth of God's Word. We must never fail to hold up the blood-stained banner of Jesus. In a world that insists upon everyone having their own truth, we must insist there is only one truth, and His name is Jesus. In a world that proclaims multiple paths, we must proclaim there is only one way, and his name is Jesus. Our message is John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. 
Our message is Acts 3 and 18. Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Our message is Acts 4, 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The message we proclaim is Jesus, his virgin birth, his victorious life, his vicarious suffering, his violent death, his victorious resurrection, and his visible return. If we are ridiculed, we preach Jesus. If we are persecuted, we preach Jesus. If we are deemed irrelevant, we preach Jesus. If we are threatened, we preach Jesus. If we are ignored, we preach Jesus. This is the only hope for this world. It's Jesus. And this is the message we proclaim. In order to be a relevant church in a modern world, we must have a demonstration of spiritual power. We must have a devotion to gospel proclamation. Finally, we must have a dedication to missional purpose. When Paul preached Jesus, you read it, read the rest of that chapter, some believed and some refused to believe. Well, this didn't come as a surprise to Paul. He, He even quoted the Old Testament prophet Isaiah who had foretold this very reaction. Whether people believed or not, Paul continued to be dedicated to his missional purpose. Listen to the last two verses of the book of Acts. He stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and unhindered. We live in a crazy world in crazy times, and it's only getting crazier by the day. Can, can I get a witness from anybody that says that's true? <laughs> One of our greatest challenges is to keep from becoming distracted and getting thrown off mission by the things happening around us. There are times when things happening in the political realm encroach upon truth and righteousness. There are times when our culture veers away from that which is holy and good. In those times, We don't lose our focus and speak politics or culture. Instead, we continue to stay true to our missional purpose and speak the redemptive message of the gospel. We don't take a political stand, we take a righteous stand. We don't take a cultural stand, we take a biblical stand. We don't spend a lot of time talking about what we're against. We focus on what we're for. We are for life. We are for justice. We are for truth. We are for purity. We are for godliness. We are for peace. We are for biblical marriage because it's biblical of one man to one woman in a covenant where they are only separated by death. We are for families. We are for the continuing work of the Holy Spirit manifesting himself through his church in this age. We are for the kingdom of God. 
Our purpose is people. Our purpose is souls. Our purpose is redemption and restoration. Our purpose is making broken people whole. Everything we build, every program we operate, every project we fund must connect with our missional purpose. No matter where we are, no matter what winds of adversity blow, we remain dedicated to our missional purpose of making broken people whole. This is what will enable us to be a relevant church in a modern world. A demonstration of spiritual power, a devotion to gospel proclamation, and a dedication to missional purpose. Now, perhaps, perhaps there's someone listening to this message and you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. I wanna tell you before we get out of here today, the help you need can only be found in Jesus. He lived a sinless life as your example. He died a cruel death to pay the penalty for your sin. He rose from the dead to prove his claim as the son of God and to demonstrate his power to save you for all eternity. Right now, the spirit of the Lord is speaking to your heart, urging you to turn to Jesus and trust him as your only hope of salvation. He's not only speaking to those who have never trusted him as savior. He's also speaking to those who once walked with him, but you've strayed. He's calling you back today. Right now, this service, right in this moment, today is the day to surrender your life to Jesus. Bow with me in prayer, please.